So there's not a moment in life in which you're not actually being driven by your values. So why would you not give yourself 15 minutes to half an hour to really think deeply about this, go through the process and ascertain what's driving you, your core values? Like whatever you're doing, do it to the best of your ability. What will allow you to do something to the best of your ability? What will allow you to shine is to do something that you're truly happy doing. So there are three strands to my career from, from so far. One would be to make the biggest impact I can. The other part of my career has been to see that change actually happen. <laughs> and then the third part of my career has been, um, we mentioned private banking, venture capital. Uh, we haven't mentioned venture capital, but that's what I then went on to do. Funds, investments, because I found that um, often within international development, we had to adapt our problem in order to chase funding. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspire Pod with myself, Karun Kang. We bring you the best interviews with leading business people, entrepreneurs and professionals in their industry. Today's guest has circa 19 years experience working in broadcast journalism with leading companies such as BBC and Reuters. She's previously worked for leading institutions such as the United Nations, European Commission and JP Morgan. And she's recently authored The Values Compass, which was forwarded by the Dalai Lama and Deepak Chopra, exploring the values between behind 101 countries, having visited 150. Today's guest is Dr. Mandy Pry, and there's the book as well uh, for anybody uh, watching and listening. How you doing, Mandy? You okay? I'm very well, thank you. The sun is shining. <laughs> Great. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us again. Really excited for this. Uh, and as mentioned in the introduction, um, you just released uh, The Values Compass. Can you give us a background to the influence behind this book and what you want the readers to get from it? Yes, certainly. It's a business leadership book and it's a book that helps you in every single stage of your career or life. So, for example, if you're a millennial and you're thinking about what path you want to take in life and you're uncertain as to which path would be the most fulfilling or even of your definition of success, it helps you point, pinpoint to what matters to you most. But we need that type of um, thought process or analysis no matter what stage we're in. So for example, let's say you're starting a business. So many of us are deciding what um, service or product we buy according to what that product stands for. I can give you many, many examples um, of people being willing to pay almost 50% more for a product that they think is in line with their values. It could be that it's important for you for a product to be, um, let's say a food product to be organic. It could be that it's important for you for it to be excellent digitally, or you know, you wanted the latest, um, you want the latest gadget or phone or watch because it has technology that's taking you into 10 years ahead, for example, rather than 2012. It, it could be that what's important to you is, is to be super connected and, and be community focused. It could be that what's important to you is to have 
um, a service or a product that is also making a difference in uh, somewhere else in the world, somewhere that's less, you know, somewhere that's more disadvantaged or or less privileged than where you're sitting. So I'm thinking there about Tom Shoes, who every time you buy a pair of shoes, will give a pair of shoes uh, to a child in a third world country. So there are many ways in which companies show what their values are. Um, so for example, if I talk to you about Levi Strauss, you know, the values of originality or innovation or endurance, they are making those messages out through their product, through their service themselves. And we are also deciding where to work, um, how to conduct ourselves according to our values equally. And what we and our and our values are also speaking through what we buy, how we live, how we spend our time. So there's not a moment in life in which you're not actually being driven by your values. So why would you not give yourself 15 minutes to half an hour to really think deeply about this? go through the process and ascertain what's driving you, your core values. Um, and it's a process that you can do alone. And then to get even kind of deeper insight, you can do this in different parts of your life. You could do this with colleagues at work. You know, you could do it with your three. You could do it with those that manage you, those that report into you, like a 360 almost. Or you could do this in, in your home environment with your family or with a loved one. In each case, it's teaching you something different about yourself and you're able to utilize that information in a different way. Right. Love that. And um, I definitely found that when I was reading myself and I found it was very transferable. And I actually joked with a few business partners and clients about how it was very accurate for them. Um, so for example, openness for Canada, introspection for Germany, drive for Nigeria, and directness from uh, Netherlands. Um, that, that was definitely one that stuck out to me. And just linking it back to the audience who would be looking to build their professional careers and also building their own businesses. But which countries' values do you think they should specifically look into that could help elevate them? Uh, so this is where it's really important to do this with the founders that you're starting the business with. Um, I wouldn't say there are certain countries or values that are more important than others. That's not my role or my place because you wouldn't want me to tell you what's important to you right? um <clears throat> however there are definitely certain values for example uh, okay the reason i brought countries into this is simply um, simply illustrating how these values shape culture shape society shape the way we behave and what i found is that certain countries did almost evolve into a different value. So the way we see Israel, for example, um, having this sense of chutzpah, and I, and I use that word chutzpah in a very positive way, it's almost being unstoppable. And if we think about how we react to the pandemic and the kind of way that they rolled out the vaccine has been in a very, you know, a very um, strategic, we're going to get this done, fast and the whole population will be vaccinated and if we're the first on the planet to do so so be it but we're going to make sure our population is so-called safe um and yet um, what could we learn from america which traditionally we see as being very entrepreneurial they're able to pivot and change tack until they get it right and they're not afraid of saying mm, we got it wrong last time but they don't frame it as a mistake because then you'll never be able to change if you always frame it as a mistake you 
will be ashamed or embarrassed to change course. Um, or if we look at South Korea, super dynamic. Um, the way South Korea has, I mean, the journey it's had over the last 50 years and what we can learn from that value of not, not stopping, you know, just always innovating, always coming. You can, you can, they almost change fashion or trends. Sometimes they can feel like they're behind even within a day, like two, two different trends or two different waves of past within a day. That was the morning, you know, that was a morning fad. This is the evening. We've already moved on. So, um, and often people who come from South Korea now and come to Britain, for example, uh, they say, oh, it's so nice to slow down. So there are, you find that as you're in, it was, all I was doing was showing, taking you around the world in a colorful way or taking you through these values in a colorful way rather than creating a boring business book or a boring textbook about values. I don't want to give you the definition of generosity. I want to show you what is the power of generosity? What does, what does it look like when people really hold generosity as one of the most important attributes or facets of their life? And what is what difference does that make? And then what would it make? What difference would it make if you in your organization thought that generosity was the most important value for you? What would that look like? And so that was really a way of me just simply illustrating uh, different values. That's how the countries came in. Uh, and when I was uh, reading it, one book that, well, one series actually that reminded me of was uh, the Jim Collins series, uh, Good to Great um, for Leaders. Uh, how, how do you feel that business, what, what steps, sorry, can businesses go through to implement values within their own business and, and see success from it in the long term? How did it remind you about, of Good to Great? Because that's one of my most, um, that's a real compliment. I'm interested. Well, it, it was because he really specified how you need to build those values, uh, have those core values and, and build a team around it. And, and that will give you more long-standing culture than just aiming high, uh, you know, uh, hiring aimlessly and just bringing different cultures together. Indeed, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you become clear of your, about your values, you start to recruit according to those values. And you find that the people that you're recruiting, because you're recruiting them for the values that they hold, which are the same values that you hold, that they're much more motivated. They're not coming to work. They're coming into an organization that they truly believe in. It's, it's a way of life for them. Um, to live these values is, would be the most kind of the highest version of fulfillment. And so imagine if a person walks into work with that sense that, this is fun. I'm not earning a living here. I'm not living to work, but rather um, work. Actually, I wouldn't even use living to work or working to live in this case. I would use the fact that they bring in 250% of themselves in because they're working for something much greater and they believe in it and they wouldn't want to be doing anything else. So if you, if you can... You can just see the power of values just from that statement. You can see why it's a step change from good to great. And if each of your um, team members come in with that type of philosophy, then imagine where you'd be. I also find that when you, when you take a little bit of time to talk to your employees, so I do a few things. I not only look at how to get to your core values, 
but also what are the values that people are holding within your team and how could we appreciate them? So I hold these workshops and within these workshops or retreat days or in these in this uh, period, we can we can do this virtually over Zoom. You're able to ascertain the values of your team members. And because all of these values are positive inherently, they're virtues almost. If someone reflects to you your greatest strength, then how differently do you feel about working with those people? They're seeing the best in you and they're able to see your inner genius almost. I'm not saying that lightly. I mean, it is the attribute for which you are thanked most. It is the trait that, you know, it's your, it's your superpower. Now, if you're walking in with that being appreciated because you've had the conversation and your team members have seen what kind of mirrored to you what they have seen through when we do this, um, through this exercise, then that almost is an immediate transformation within your team. That's how you're doing a step change from good to great. Brilliant. And, and I definitely see that as well from my side. So with my recruitment company, the clients that I work with who hire based on values and culture, the, those candidates, they're there for the long term. They're the ones getting promoted quickly and, and see a lot of success. Um, but when you're working with clients, you know, somebody's hiring now, how can they see in that interview process if somebody has their values, um, you know, is it good instinct? Are there any specific questions they can ask? What, what's your thoughts? I think that when you when you go through the process and you become clear about your values, then immediately you are you almost hone your radar to then be able to ask the kind of questions that will elicit what that other person's values are. The worst type of interview is where you say, these are our values, are they your values too? And of course, the other person's going to say yes. Yeah. Um, but rather, you're trying to really get to know the other person. But a way to almost circumvent and make this whole process more efficient is to be clear about your values. Because if I know a certain organization has um, a particular set of values that don't mirror my own, am I really going to spend time applying to then go into an environment that I absolutely know I'm not going to gel with or appreciate or be valued in? Probably not. I'd probably see it as a waste of my time and I'd rather be in an environment that is going to appreciate what I have to offer because, because there's a, a ready kind of almost a match there. So it, employees um, or the workforce is also looking for a place where they fit as well as for the organization to be looking to see who fits. Um, and so the more upfront we are with ourselves, the better. So I suggest that it's not just those who are creating startups, but those who are, who are running huge organizations and those who are thinking, well, where do I fit? And you're, you're going through a transition and you're deciding what to do with your career. And those who within an organization, I, I'm, there was this one time when a CEO said to me, do I want people to even know their values? Because what if they realize they're in the wrong organization or the wrong job? And the, the truth is that when, you, when your employees get to know what's important to them, then there is often enough space within the organization for you to bring out the best in them. It might take a little bit of a reorganization. It might mean they're in a slightly different role or working with a slightly different group or complemented by a different team member. 
But if you are able to do that rejuggle, which we can help with, then again, you have a much a better performing team. So why would you not give yourself that? So it's like not wanting to hide from the truth, but rather discover the truth so that you can really empower yourself, lean in, walk in, um, allow yourself to be uh, to be to create the most conducive environment. Great. And you mentioned it there, um, you know, working with their CEOs and leaders to help improve their businesses. And I know you touched upon it within the book as well, a lot of leaders that you were pictured with and learning from on your journeys there. Do you see any common traits between, you know, whether they're business leaders or world leaders or, you know, people at the top of their professional uh, profession? And if so, what, what are they? Yes. Um, I have this one. Um, I conducted, I've worked with many leaders and conducted kind of these sessions with many leaders. So, for example, if I think about um, Paul Pullman, who's now the ex CEO of Unilever, and how clear he was about his values and how then Unilever went to acquire companies according to those values values of sustainability, for example, and then they quite acquired seventh generation. Um, or if I think about um, companies like MasterCard and the CEO Ajay Banga, who is really clear about his set of values or, or the company set of values, and then they're able to say, see, okay, how are we helping the base of the pyramid? What is how would our business strategy even change if we were to leave no one behind? Um, so it's not even just what does what does our company do in terms of its foundation or our CSR, but rather how does this philosophy actually make incredible business sense? And you find that when leaders are coming from a place of their values and are really clear about it, um, it makes phenomenal business sense. It's it's a win-win for the business. It actually changes. Um, their focus to to be able to it creates kind of clarity in their strategy essentially love that and um, another part of your book that was interesting was at the beginning uh, you spoke about how of course from a traditional Sikh family and the journey that you went down it, it wasn't typical um, like how, how did you go about that of knowing what you wanted to do and going down that path and not going down, you know, what was considered the norm or, you know, uh, traditional and parents' expectations. How did I not? Okay. <laughs> I hope I have met my parents' expectations. What are you saying? Also, um, I, I made no, no, I'm really joking. Oh. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately our parents want us to do, want us to do, want us to thrive in whatever we choose. So I know traditionally we talk about, you know, one, that our parents want us to be a doctor, lawyer, or, or engineer. Um, but I think that uh, actually, if you're at the top of your game, whatever you're doing, they're super happy, right? They're not going to say, oh, he's a lecturer, he bummed out, or he's, he created Tony and Guy, and you know, he's a hairdresser. And he, not at all. Like whatever you're doing, do it to the best of your ability. What will allow you to do something to the best of your ability? What will allow you to shine is to do something that you're truly happy doing. So 
I um I think it just takes a candid, not one conversation, but probably many conversations. In my case, I pivoted. I always had a reason for taking the job I did, but knew that I needed to truly that for me to thrive, I needed to feel truly fulfilled. So for example, um, I started my career at JP Morgan in private banking. And I took that job uh, really gratefully because it allowed me to earn enough to live in London, to be independent, to, um, to make the most of my skill set, um, dealing with people, relationships, um, had the languages. It was, I was in a French Italian team. So um, I could see myself fitting there. But ultimately, what am I doing? I am making very rich people, richer. Um, is this really giving me, is this really going to change anyone's world? Is this really making the world a better place? What's important to me? And in, what was important to me was to actually leave the world in a better place if I could, if I'm going to work, to work hard, and to think that there's been some kind of positive social change because of it. Um, and so I got to a point where I thought, I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure whether I got to the point or whether the bank also got to the point. I remember this one time when um, I, I was talking about what we should invest in and I was really talking about impact investing. Now, this is 20 years ago when impact investing wasn't, we, no one was really thinking about it and it hadn't caught on. Um, and my the banker I was working for, Olivia de Givenchy, you know, the Givenchy perfume that, um, that uh, yeah, so he was the grandson of that, of that family. And he said, are you sure you don't want to be in the CSR? <laughs> you know, are you sure you don't want to work at the charity sector or you don't want to be in our foundation? And I said, no, I think that when people are investing in, um, it, where people are putting their money, that it's going to make a difference where it, I think people will be more motivated. But I guess at that time, that conversation wasn't yet happening or maybe, um, you could say it was ahead of my time or whatever you want to call it. And so I had to make a tough choice as to how am I going to make that impact that I'm wanting to make um, whilst being able to also meet the other objectives I have. So I think that thinking you will be able to know what the perfect job is for you, it, it's great. And I think that is my objective in making you really understand your values. If someone had said to me, if someone had had this very conversation with me when I was coming out of university of what is it that motivates you, um, rather than me trying to match my skills with the job, which is what I did, um, which is what I think the career service spoke about, um, I wish I had had the advice that I now, uh, or the tools that I now am sharing. Oh. Um, because once you're motivated, learning is easy you will quickly learn, you will quickly adapt, you will quickly um, do what it takes and you'll do it with innovation and you'll do it with greater passion and prowess than it just being a job that matches your skill set. Yeah, so um, you've worked in various fields, um, you know, such as banking, journalism, and now an author. When you're making those choices, are they strategic or are you just you know, almost going with the flow and seeing where the path takes you? How, how do you work on that knowing what's next? A bit of both. I think going with the flow is strategic. Um, so there are three strands to my career from, from so far. Um, one would be to make the biggest impact I can. So 
I then went on to do a master's at the LSE in international development, um, hence the strand of the UN, the EU, um, the NGOs I've worked for. So there was a real, there's a real sense of wanting to make a positive change. The other part of my career has been to see that change actually happen. <laughs> and I found that through, the, through media, I would see some of the stories I would tell. So for example, I remember vividly covering um, the ban of plastic bags in the duck. And this was about 15 years ago, maybe even, maybe even earlier. And quickly, when that story went out on, on the world service, I was receiving letters from places like Rwanda, um, villages that had decided that they were so inspired that they too were not going to be pushed to sell plastic or use plastic or pollute their rivers with plastic. They too were going to utilize cloth bags or other means. Um, and so I found that the change sometimes happened a lot faster through good storytelling or good reporting um, than for me at least, I, I I, I found that to be a really effective route. Um, and hence the fact that I've always, journalism will always be part of my life. Being able to, um, so for example, this week I have a piece coming out in CNN about the farmers protest. It's really hard not to be a journalist once you're a journalist because you know the power, the power of, of media and being able to uh, have a voice. And then the third part of my career has been, um, we mentioned, private banking, venture capital. Uh, we haven't mentioned venture capital, but that's what I then went on to do. Funds, investments, because I found that um, often within international development, we had to adapt our problem in order to chase funding. And so you find that, are we really solving the problem that there is to solve, or are we just having to chase money? Um, and the power of business, I think, is that you're able to you, you have resources and then you look at the problem that needs to be solved, but you have, you can, you, you know, you create a thesis or you create a, whether it be a business plan or a pitch or um, a strategy such that you convince people basically to invest in you or you invest in others in order to get that problem solved. So it kind of puts the power back into your hands a little. Um, so I have found that those three particular strands were the way that I kind of created the braid of um, of making the, the biggest impact that I could, not just through media, not just through business, but through all three, so that any kind of social justice or what I would say problem could be solved better if it had rigor in for me in those three three different prongs. So with the values compass, for example, it's a business leadership book because I know that business can make the difference. Um, of course, I'm utilizing uh, media, journalism, kind of, you know, the broadcast industry um, to get the message out, but also to convey, to share, um, and to be questioned and to have to stand up for what I'm what I'm speaking about and what I'm believing in. Um, but the aim is to really make a difference to people's lives. And I, and I find that you don't have to be working in an NGO necessarily to make that difference, although I do work with NGOs and charities. I think it's about being able to, what well, in this case I have, this message I think is appropriate for all types of organizations. Schools, when schools come from a place of their values, it's transformational. 
Um, we're not just talking about companies, we're talking about all kinds of institutions and groups, community groups, families. Um, so it just, so that social impact is being made at different levels, yeah, including that. nations. Yeah, I love that focus on impact as well. Brilliant. And you, you did touch upon schools. You gave a you know a bit of a background to uh, you know London School of Economics and Political Science. I know that you also um, studied at London Business School and Harvard Business School. How important do you believe education is for anybody just striving to do more in their businesses or? Um, you know, go on their own journey in, in entrepreneurship? In my case, I have um, always sought to, I guess, create the rigor through education. So I haven't just stepped into these different careers. Um, when I was really creating a, a venture capital fund, I felt that an MBA would really help help the way I was thinking, help the way I was speaking, my vernacular, help um, my credibility and the way people perceived me. Um, so, and also just show me what, give me the tools so that I could do the job that was then being placed into my hands. Um, so the MBA, I literally did it in sync with creating the Venture Capital Fund. Um, even though I studied economics, politics and philosophy at undergrad, and had a master's, I still felt that the MBA was actually invaluable. Um, I then went on to do, do a PhD. I didn't feel that the Values Compass would have um, the credibility or, or the legs that it does or the, the uh, rigor that it does if I myself didn't do a deep dive into this subject. Um, so it's, I wouldn't say you always need education that's not what i mean but education definitely doesn't help and hinder does it uh, so if you're able to and there are so many ways of being involved in education no longer do we have to um i think we're constantly learning online now anyway um it doesn't have to be formal education uh but for us to always be learning i think is is critical great and um, it, it, just going back to yourself, uh, you know, obviously you've done quite a, a lot in the past uh, 20, 20 years, visit 150 countries. Well, what do you feel is next uh, in, in your own path? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go or get to go, but I've been uh, asked by the UN um, to visit uh, Central African Republic. Uh, next so I'm literally uh, looking at how to how it, there's no there's no embassy in London the embassy's in Paris how do I even get a visa how do I make this happen we can't go to France right now um, but uh, the Central African Republic is going through a very difficult time it's been described as hell on earth um, it, war is breaking out the elections are happening women are being treated in an awful way um, and no one's really covering it um, because we're all obsessed with COVID, we're all, all obsessed with our own lives. So I didn't imagine that I would be doing that right now. I'm meant to be kind of, you know, working on values, etc. But I think that um, what I find is that 
a little bit to your point, am I being strategic or do I go with the flow? If I'm being asked to do something, if I'm asked to do something and I think I can make somewhat of a difference, then I normally step up and make that difference. So my next my next thing might be uh, going to Africa, even though that wasn't part of my plan. Wow. Um, but yeah, so th thanks a lot for that. I'll uh, now move on to the final five. It's uh, just a quick fire round, which can be answered within a word and a sentence. Firstly, uh, what does success mean to you? It's a brilliant question. Um, and it would be a combination of, for me, I guess it's making a difference. That's what success means to me. Um, what is your one key skill which you feel that has helped you to get to where you are today? I'm not sure I always do this well, um, but it would be a, um, a combination of listening and not listening. So listening has really, really, really been helpful and important and uh, I try and practice active listening, um, but also sometimes not listening to the naysayers or the people who tell me it's impossible or the people who tell me it's never been done or the people who tell me it doesn't need to be done. So it's a bit of both. Mm -hmm. And would you advise people to follow the money or follow their passion? You already know the answer to that, so yeah. I'm not even going to answer that. Um, <laughs> What would you say is your purpose? Um, I think it's similar to number one, the um, service. Yeah. Right. And you, you mentioned in your book uh, to identify five values for yourself. What would you say your five values are? Can I give, okay. Um, freedom, family, uh, giving like whether it be impact or service um fun or excitement <laughs> and um community brilliant and for anybody listening or watching if they want to follow your work online or you know also uh, purchase your book where can they go to do that um well amazon clearly rules the world so Amazon, um, but also any local bookshop will soon be out of lockdown and that'll all be possible. Um, it is available everywhere and anywhere in the world. Um, it's been distributed worldwide. It's been distributed into different languages also. It's coming out in Japanese for the Olympics. Um, and uh, yeah, so there shouldn't be anywhere that you can't get it essentially. I have a website also, www.mandeep hyphen rye.com um, and you can happily contact me also um, and if I can be of any service uh, yeah in organizations or otherwise please do get in touch great thank you so much Mandy um, and to everybody listening and watching uh, thanks again for uh, another episode and uh, remember to share like subscribe and give us any comments bye